This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Thursday afternoon, October 27th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. It's the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Elon Musk talking about advertising in Twitter as his deadline to buy the company looms. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the latest measure on the American economy is out. As mortgage rates hit a 20-year high, we're joined by Matt Mateegan, CEO, Blue World Asset Managers based in Chicago. you find the blog at blueworldam.com. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Let's reset the conversation about the initial estimate of the third quarter gross domestic product. We saw expansion for the first time this year, an annualized rate of 2.6%. Uh, when you look under the hood, uh, what do you see? Well, what we see is a very mixed report uh, in it, pointing out that mixed is better than what we've seen lately. Uh, but this report has literally hundreds of lines of data in it. So what we want to look for is to see where that improvement was coming from. Uh, motor vehicles and parts were down a little bit, but IT spending was up a little bit. Uh, final sales to domestic private purchasers, which is one of our key go-to indicators here, uh, was still positive, but just kind of barely hanging on. So overall, a mixed report, but acknowledging mixed is better than what we've seen uh, prior this year. The Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta has a tool called the GDP Nowcast. And if you followed the Nowcast, the number that came out this morning should not be that much of a surprise. It's a little lower than what the Nowcast has been saying. What can we anticipate for the fourth quarter of this year or maybe the first quarter of 23? What we're forecasting is continued weakness uh, because, again, we don't we, we never take any one of these reports unto itself as valuable. It's the trend of this report and the 50 others that we follow every month in the Blue World Economic Index. And real estate is really taking it on the chin with these higher rates. And that's no surprise. But then when we look to the manufacturing sector as well, uh, new orders are suffering and the outlook for new orders are suffering. Even as inventories are coming down, none of these things leads us to believe that, that we've hit a bottom or turned a corner yet. But again, 
month by month, we just have to follow the trend and see which way it's going. Right now, unfortunately, it's still negative. Let's talk about real estate. Mortgage rates topping 7% for the first time since 2002. This is the sector that may be the most sensitive to the interest rate hiking cycle that we've seen so far this year and the place where you will see the after effects first. Uh, What is this going to mean for the home ownership market? And could this be counterintuitive when it comes to the fight against inflation because uh, rents are driving the CPI, but at the same time, if mortgages aren't as affordable as they were before, it keeps people in their apartments. Uh, That's true. We're already seeing a degradation across the board in real estate, whether it's new homes, existing homes, uh, permits, uh, housing starts, all of these things are predictably pulling back uh, as the rates rise, all of these things degrade. Uh, that's going to that should keep the demand for the rental properties higher than for real estate transactions. Matt Matigan, CEO, Blue World Asset Managers, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. You'll find him online, his blog at blueworldam.com. Coming up, the latest on Elon Musk's potential purchase of Twitter. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Some advertisers are reportedly concerned about what Elon Musk may do should he complete his acquisition of Twitter. We're joined by Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group, founder of the Met Academy, follow on Twitter at Shelley Palmer, based in New York. Shelley, thanks for joining us today. It's very hard to uncouple the discussion of Twitter the business versus Twitter the content host and the digital town square, to use a term that Elon Musk used today in a letter to advertisers saying that it's not going to become an unregulated hellscape, uh, hellscape uh, his words, but uh, it's a, a, a sentiment echoed by many users because it can become a very hostile place, even with content moderation in place. In practice, Twitter has a problem that Elon Musk is not going to solve. First of all, while all of the other social media platforms that are making a lot of money are in the identity business, meaning you have to say who you are and be who you are, and yes, they all have bots, and yes, they all have fake accounts, but for the most part, you are who you are. Twitter's in the anonymity business. You never know what you're dealing with on Twitter. You don't have any verification other than the little blue check um, circles. And at the end of the day, uh, advertisers are always looking for brand safe environments. So, you know, he wrote in a, a tweet today, dear advertisers, as you, as you mentioned, Twitter obviously cannot become, this is a quote, Twitter obviously cannot become a free-for-all hellscape. Um, where anything can be said with no consequences. Well, that's what he wrote, but that's what everyone fears, that he's just going to relax all kinds of of moderation restrictions. He'll learn very quickly you can't have a commercial business that'll do that. Maybe he's got enough money to fund Twitter by himself without having any advertising money. But if he's looking for advertiser money, he's going to need to create a brand-safe environment just just that simple. And and regardless of, of your political beliefs, because this discussion of content on Twitter really veers into whichever lane you're in politically, um, just moderating, just getting the gory content off, the illegal content off, any uh, public-facing web forum is a very hard job. When Elon Musk announced he was originally buying Twitter and kind of taking it back or promising to take it back to its 2008 or 2009 uh, digital Wild West route, 
roots, uh, one of the founders of Reddit came on and said, no, that's actually, you can't do that. It's very labor intensive and it's very difficult to create an online space that makes everybody want to come in and participate and feel safe doing so. It's impossible, by the way. If I say that movie was bad and you and I are talking, uh, well, I just saw the new Andor series. It was bad. Okay, that means it's good. But if I write it, the new Andor series is bad. Do I mean bad or good? English is an incredibly complicated language. All languages are complicated. Um, You know, uh, Rob drove down the street in his car. Well, a person, any three-year-old knows that cars go on streets and people go in cars. But there's a prepositional phrase attachment ambiguity. Rob drove down the street in his car, meaning there was a street in your car or the cars on the street. A computer has no context. It can't tell. This is not a simple problem. Just prepositional phrase attachment ambiguity alone makes algorithmically solving this impossible because computers don't have context. So, no, we can't go back. We can only go forward. The idea that you're going to make a brand safe environment is very hard. The idea you're going to have a free-for-all, forgetting your political um, you know, wherever your head is politically, this has nothing to do with that. If they want to sell advertising, then they have to get advertisers, and advertisers are not really going to want to be content adjacent to anarchy. It's, it's not good for them. And then is this bad for Elon Musk's personal brand? I mean, for up until this year, he was kind of the wonder kind. He was the person who was going to take us all to Mars. And now he's trying to be a Twitter poster. And, and when, when you've been thinking about Mars for the last three years, do you want to be the ultimate moderator? At the end of the day, this is the richest man in the world. And for me to have the arrogance or ego to even gently presuppose what Elon Musk may or may not be thinking would be folly. I don't think when you have that much money, you much care what other people think, although he may. But I have no way to know what's going on in the mind of Elon Musk. Why anybody in their right mind would want to own Twitter is be is beside any reason. It's it. This is an impossible task. You can't do it right. All you can do is do it and hope for the best. There's no right way to get Twitter done because you're going to be offending someone somewhere every single time. Republican, conservative, Democrat, liberal, doesn't matter what you are, lover of hate speech, hater of love speech, you cannot get it right. So this is just going to be what it's going to be, and we'll see how much money they can throw at it. I understand they started to get the debt financing together last night. So I think this deal's going down. We'll learn about it tomorrow. Otherwise, he's going to court. One way or the other, Twitter's going to change hands. Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group, founder of the Med Academy. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, most restaurants continue to be open fewer hours than they were pre-pandemic. We'll explain why. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 pre- Precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. 
Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. McDonald's seeing growth in customer traffic. You might see it right now if you're stuck in a drive through line. Meantime, hours across the restaurant industry continue to be shorter than before the COVID crisis. We welcome in Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the restaurant coach in Chicago. Izzy, thanks for joining us once again. McDonald's reporting their uh, third quarter results, and it sounds like... Uh, Ronald McDonald is still the inflation fighter this year. Well, uh, they are, you know, putting up a good fight. And uh, certainly the numbers are showing that people are finally uh, starting to get used to uh, the pricing, the new pricing model, you know, much more expensive than it was, but it's starting to even out and people are starting to come back. And then on the uh, on the restaurant hours front, uh, we talked about this before. Restaurants are pretty much uh, full go, uh, full hours once again. You're trying to offer as much service as possible. COVID restrictions and COVID concerns no, long, no longer really factor into customers' thinking. But it sounds like the restaurants themselves are still having a hard time finding workers, and that is putting a crimp on their business. Right. And, and, and it's a huge crimp. It's, uh, you know, certainly affecting their uh, top line gross sales because uh, all of the clients that I have, for the most part, uh, used to do uh, lunch and dinner seven days a week. Now they're finding uh, through having to look at their staffing model, they can only be open five days a week and they're doing dinner only. So they've cut entire meal periods out two days a week. Uh, so people want to come back to the restaurants, which is fantastic. It's just now we're having trouble finding enough staff to keep them up and running. Is it a, is it a matter of uh, restaurants having a hard time offering competitive pay, or is it uh, people just don't want to be in those forward-facing industries anymore? Yeah, it really doesn't have anything to do with pay any longer. Everybody has certainly uh, upped their game in uh, moving the hourly wage. And now it's just getting people to show up for interviews or getting anybody to respond to uh, ads. So um, it is very, very hard. And I don't think anywhere in the country anybody has uh, solidified this labor issue. And you're right. People have moved to other industries, not wanting to be in an industry that requires weekends and holidays. And then very quickly, uh, when it comes to restaurants giving up on lunch in some spots, uh, is it the uh, is the work from home model uh, hurting some businesses or making that uh, any, a more attractive option just because uh, you're you're working out of your house and you're not going to a central business district or an office park that requires a lunch spot? Well, you know, that's great for the uh, the consumer to be able to stay at home, you know, a lot more. Uh, work from home, save that commuting money. But even, you know, as we recognize in downtown Chicago, a lot of those great lunch places in the loop uh, are closed. There's just nobody there. And it has become essentially a desert. So lots of closed restaurants because there's just nobody to support them for lunch anymore. Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works in Chicago. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, Meta, the parent company of Facebook, enduring a very rough quarter. This is Chicago's news, traffic, and weather station, News Radio 105.9.
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A Cook County commissioner adds his name to the list of candidates for mayor of Chicago. The possibility of a national rail worker strike is still looming. In Technology Thursday, Facebook parent Meta reports a second straight quarterly drop in revenue. And as you plan your holiday purchases, you may want to think about a buy now, pay later option. WBBM Business. The markets are mixed. The Dow is up 371 points. The Nasdaq down 115. The S&P 500 down three and a half. AccuWeather says sunny skies today. Cool though. A high of 56. We have 52 degrees right now under fair skies at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour. There are now eight challengers to Lori Lightfoot who is seeking re-election as mayor of Chicago. Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson addressed concerns about public safety during a rally in Seward Park after announcing his run for office. Make no mistake about it, it has been manipulated in recent political ads with the most blatant, racist stereotypes imaginable. The racist portrayal it shortchanges our people and it deepens the divide in this city. The Illinois Federation of Teachers and the Chicago Teachers Union are giving their endorsements to Johnson, who's an educator and has children in the city's public school system. A second railroad union is rejecting a proposed contract with the major U.S. freight railroads. The Brotherhood of Railroad Signalmen says more than 60% of members who voted opposed the five-year contract. Gregory DeYoung is an associate professor of operations management at Southern Illinois University. This is a relatively small union, but it is significant because now two have rejected, there are four more to go. So the num- total number of employees that either accept or reject the plan could, could turn out to be fairly significant. Six smaller unions have approved agreements with the railroads. The Noon Business Hour continues at 1232, sponsored by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are hovering near the flat line today. We're joined by Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist, B. Riley Financial, based in New York. Art, thanks for joining us today. It seems like the story of this trading day is a tale of two indices. The Dow likes what it's seeing out of some of the uh, earnings reports that have been released. But uh, the NASDAQ is being weighed down by Meta and Google. And is there any possibility that uh, Apple or Amazon can turn things around? Well, I would tell you this, and, and that's absolutely correct. If you if you look at what's helping the Dow Jones Industrial Average and its 350-point uh, uh, increase today, it has a lot to do with Caterpillar and Honeywell and uh, and better results in the industrial sector. Uh, if you look at the industrial sector in the S P 500, it's outperforming the other 10 but, you know, unfortunately, uh, there's been a handful of disappointments in, in technology land, and uh, Facebook's uh, parent Meta joined that crowd last night. And it's not so much that they missed expectations. Uh, the stock reacted positively to the raw numbers as soon as they reported, and it was up about 8% after the bell. But the, the after the Mark Zuckerberg talked about how much they're going to spend on building out the metaverse, uh, investors were very disappointed and have taken it down 23% today and now it joins the ranks of those companies that are down 70 percent year to date so i think that you know the backing up and saying looking at the bigger picture the early season has been better than we expected but there have been some household names whether it's microsoft uh, alphabet google um facebook meta and and, and they, they get more of the attention than the 75 percent of the companies that have actually beaten one of the surprises came from a company called service now Quiet little uh, beat and raise, and the stock's up 13% right now, and, uh, and and seems to be the star of the day. And very quickly, Art, how how are investors uh, processing the third quarter GDP from the Commerce Department? 
Well, I would tell you this, it's the, the, it's, it was better than expected, and it's certainly good to see it in positive territory. But what's more important to me is what comes along with that print is the core PCE, the uh, personal consumption expenditure, which is the inflation gauge that the Fed looks at, and that went down. And it was uh, in line with expectations, but down from its second quarter report. So that's better news. GDP in positive territory is something we haven't seen in, in two quarters. So that's positive. The biggest drag was residential real estate. And once again, that's just because uh, home mortgage rates are so high. 100%. That's a feature, not a bug of monetary policy. When you start increasing rates, you know you're going to adversely affect the housing market and anything that you need to uh, use debt to pay for. So the auto industry likely will be affected as well. But uh, you know, that's what that's something the Fed's trying to do. And I think they saw the, the housing industry as being overheated as it was up about 28% in 18 months during the pandemic. So this is a part of the pain that, uh, that uh, Chair Powell is talking about, and we certainly felt it in the third quarter report. Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist with B. Riley Financial, based in New York. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, we put the spotlight on Facebook parent company Meta. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Shares of Meta, the parent company of Facebook, are taking a dive today. Let's find out why from Dan Gallagher, tech reporter for the Wall Street Journal's Heard on the Street column based in San Francisco. Dan, thanks for joining us today. This is uh, yet another in a series of disappointing earnings reports for Meta, the parent company of Facebook. Let's break down the company's problems. How much of this disappointing result was the result of a softening ad market? And how much of this was the company shoveling all this money into building the metaverse and not yielding any results? Well, I think it's really mostly the latter because uh, the the weakness in the ad market was really well known. Um, And we saw that with Google's report on Tuesday. We saw that with Snapchat's report last week. So, and actually, Facebook's advertising revenue, it fell, and it fell the most it ever has in a quarter, but it was a little better than actually Wall Street had expected. So, I, th- I don't think that was a big surprising factor. What, what I think was the surprise was their, their plan to, like, essentially, I mean, they were, they're spending already a lot on this metaverse stream, and they're going to spend even more next year. And I think the street is, um, Wall Street's taking that really badly. And when it comes to the metaverse, there was an interesting piece of analysis I read this morning that uh, Meta is trying to reverse engineer how these product spaces develop, that normally they begin as an industrial or a business application and then flip over to the consumer space. And it seems like Meta is trying to build something before the customer base has appeared. Uh, I think there's some truth to that. Now, it, it hasn't hap- always happened in tech. Sometimes the consumer is what takes something up first. It actually first happened with the um, first iPhones. You might remember a touchscreen iPhone. The, the corporate world was on BlackBerry, but consumers wanted this phone so much they kind of pushed the business world into it. Um, but I think I, the problem for this this metaverse dream is that you know it clearly involves virtual reality, and virtual reality just hasn't taken off really anywhere. Um, it's done some business in video games, but even video gamers are kind of tepid on it. So um, right now it's just hard to see, like, is this going to be something that's worth a company of this size betting the billions it's putting into it? 
um, to really, is there going to be a, really a return on investment at any point? What happens, let's say, two or three years from now, and Meta is still stuck in this rut? Uh, does the possibility exist of an activist investor coming in and uh, trying to force Mark Zuckerberg to go back to basics? Well, I, since Meta is a controlled company, you know, Mark Zuckerberg can, has super voting shares. Uh, there's nothing really anybody can do in that sense other than, you know, raise. And we already saw an activist try to put some public in the sense of like, you know, making public, hey, you need to watch your costs and, and everything. But there's not really there's not really a scenario right now where somebody could like buy up a bunch of shares and, and, you know, force his hand or force him out. You know, he controls the company. So ultimately, it's going to come down to what he decides to do. Does he feel and he has to he can't ignore this. You know, he's got a lot of employees that that do count on stock for part of their compensation. So if if the you know, if this becomes a multi-year problem where the stock is underwater, you know, that's that's going to affect his ability to hang on to talent and everything. And he can't he can't afford to ignore that. But um, especially in the short term, there's nothing really anybody can do other than if you don't like what he's doing, sell the stock. This uh, clearly they're not hitting their targets as far as uh, getting users to uh, step into the metaverse just yet. But inside Silicon Valley, I mean, based on what you've heard in San Francisco, uh, do people believe there's some merit to this tech that they're onto something and the public will eventually embrace it and, and, and rush in there? Uh, it, yes and no. Like you see other companies making attempts. They don't always refer to it as the term as the metaverse. But you've seen companies like Microsoft and NVIDIA and even Apple like are, are, you know, clearly working towards something that's like essentially the future of the Internet that's maybe more immersive. Um, I don't think there's a really solid view on what that's going to look like. Um, and I think I think the doubt about this is like if there is this kind of virtual world out there, is it is it really going to be Facebook's to lead and ultimately control and even should it you know i mean facebook uh, meta you know has now this problematic history of being a platform that has a lot of issues with safety um political issues and so forth and so th there's still a lot of questions about that even though there's like a lot of voices at least out here that that are optimistic for some kind of like immersive internet in the future but i don't think there's a firm view yet on what that's going to be Dan Gallagher, tech reporter for the Wall Street Journal's Heard on the Street column based in San Francisco. Thanks for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday and still to come, deciding the best way to pay for your holiday purchases. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. As you plan how to pay for your holiday purchases, the option to buy now, pay later may be on your radar. Let's talk about it with Ed Jertson, certified financial planner, founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in in Chicago, the website engagewealthgroup.com. Ed, thanks for joining us today. Buy now, pay later services have really exploded in popularity over the last couple of years. And as a financial planner, you've watched this space evolve. And is it a good thing or a bad thing for the American consumer? Rob, what it boils down to is that you have to watch your spending. And so for the vast majority of folks who are using buy now, pay later, generally those individuals don't have access to credit cards, which means that they're spending too much to begin with. So we view buy now, pay later plans with a little bit of skepticism. Skepticism For, for a lot of consumers, it's important to really understand the details. So just be really careful when you venture into these plans. And how does this differ from a credit card if you're not familiar with an Affirm, for example? 
so buy now, buy now, pay later allows you basically to take possession of the uh, of the good that you're buying, similar to a credit card. Yet, buy now, pay later plans. The the carrot, if you would, is they offer zero percent interest on some of the purchases that you make because this is designed for a short term financing option, not something that you carry over for months and months and months. And at the end of the day, when you really look at what the interest rate could be if you miss a payment on a BNPL or a buy now pay later plan, it's very similar to a credit card. On the other hand, uh, if you do make your payments on time, uh, could this be an attractive option uh, if you're buying, let's say, a, a big ticket item like a TV or something along those lines? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, a spoiler alert to all the listeners out there, you know, whether it's holiday gift giving or other things, it's not a surprise on the calendar when, when the holidays roll around. So thinking forward about what you can afford to, to buy, because we all are consumption oriented, we want that brand new TV or that big appliance or something like that. But again, if you can work to save money to buy that big ticket item with cash, that is obviously the preferred route. But, you know, again, looking at the different options, whether it's buy now, pay later or credit cards, just be very careful when you're overextending yourself, especially in these high inflationary times. And then uh, this might be an item out of the distant past, but uh, do Christmas club savings accounts still exist where you can sock money away over the course of the year and then spend it in November and December? Yeah, go figure. Companies have quickly learned, and these are the financing companies as well as the retailers have learned that the buy now, pay later is is almost taking the place of those Christmas uh, programs, right? Where you're able to the layaway programs, where you give money to it uh, to your company to the to the company you're trying to buy from, and then after you pay it off, you get possession of that item. Where again, the BNPL programs today, you get to take possession of that now. So again, it's it's sort of I don't want to call it uh, the old school of layaway plans, but BNPL is is becoming much more of a profit center for uh, those who are lending than, if you would, the the practical layaway plans. Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago. The website is engagewealthgroup.com. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at wbbmnewsradio.com and the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.